Hello, this is Dr. Nancy O'Reilly, and you're listening to Smart Amazing Conversations with Dr. Nancy. You know, supporting women is my passion and my purpose, and finding other women and now so many men who advocate for women's leadership and lift women up is my favorite thing to do. These stories are so inspiring, and they help us all understand that we can succeed if we support one another in work and life. These amazing conversations gave me the stories and the wisdom from my earlier book, Leading Women. And they also inspired my newest book, which came out in 2019, titled In This Together, How Successful Women Support Each Other in Work and Life. Now, I'm very excited about this. This is this is great. This week, I'm pleased to welcome Jeffrey Tobias Halter. Now, Jeffrey is a gender strategist and is a leading expert engaging men to advance women. All right. I'm so excited. He was formerly the director of diversity strategy for Coca-Cola, and he is currently president of Why Women, a strategic consulting company focused on engaging men in women's leadership advancement. His clients include Barclays, Bristol-Myers, Squibb, Meet Hennessy, and dozens of other Fortune 500 companies. Jeffrey is featured in two TED Talks and wrote the book, Why Women? The Leadership Imperative to Advancing Women and Engaging Men. This is the first business book written by a man on how companies can advance women to enhance their company's reputation, the bottom line, and retain talent, which is key. So I'm so pleased to welcome Jeffrey Tobias Halter to Smart Amazing Conversations with me, Dr. Nancy. Welcome, Jeffrey. Well, Jeffrey, welcome to Conversations with Dr. Nancy. It's going to be a great time to talk, great time. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we're all kind of uh, holding up, uh, staying at home or staying wherever we need to. So I hope you and your family are doing well and your loved ones. um, Everybody's okay in my family. That's what's what's good. We're all doing okay, but hope yours are Me as well. Super. Uh, I'm going to start out by giving the title because the title says it all, but then I'm going to talk about you because your personal story and where you've been and where you are today is extremely important for men and women to hear. So the name of your book is Why Women, the Leadership Imperative for Advancing to Advancing Women and Engaging Men. I saw this book, and I said, I have to talk to this man. But uh, all right, now here comes the good stuff, because we're, we're, <laughs> how, did you, how did you get to be who you are? How, give me your personal wow. story. Give me your yeah, journey. So, uh, Give me your journey. It's funny. I uh, I still to this day consider myself a, a sales guy. Um, yeah. I started out my career in sales, 20 years, sales, sales management, P&L, a uh, couple of years with Procter & Gamble, most of the time with Coca-Cola. And um, in 1999, I was actually working and liaison into a uh, sales training function in our learning and development group. And Coca-Cola had a very famous $200 million discrimination lawsuit. And um, I was tasked with leading the diversity education initiative um, under a five-year consent decree. Now, I have to tell you, I'm a straight white guy. Uh, I have no idea how or why I was picked to get this job Um, Mm -hmm. as part of the lawsuit. Uh, we also went through a major restructure because we changed CEOs. We laid off 8,000 people. 
And quite frankly, I was just happy to have a job. Right. Um, but, but I had no clue what I was doing. And so um, we inherited this vendor. And uh, if, you, if you think back to the early, early days of D&I sure. uh, and that episode of The Office, um, that really awful training, um, that was my program. Yeah. Um, I had to train 4,000 people, and uh, none of them wanted to be there. Yeah. And so um, I sat in class every day, and I heard stories. But yeah. it started to change me. Mm-hmm. I heard stories of racism and mm-hmm. sexism and homophobia from people that I knew and respected. Yeah. And I had what they call a white male epiphany, yeah. where you realize what white male privilege is and the world revolves around you. Right. And it changed me. And I didn't choose to become an advocate at that time, but I chose to get curious. And this was around the time Tom Peters was coming out with Reimagine, and he was talking about two macro trends. One was uh, women in the workforce and then women as consumers and drivers of the economy. Mm-hmm. And to me, this was always missing. I was the sales guy, and in all the DNI training I had done and participated in, he never really talked about the connection back to the business. Yeah. And so I have focused now, uh, I would spend another 10 years in D&I. My last role at Coca-Cola was director of diversity strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, nine years post-lawsuit, we, we won the Catalyst Award as, as a place for best practices. And, uh, and through that, I got to benchmark with just amazing companies, IBM, J&J, McDonald's. And I came up with two things. Number one, most companies still don't have an end-to-end strategic framework for advancing women. They've got a bunch of disjointed programs. Number two, men are 80% of leadership today in this country. And the number varies, but we'll use that as a good indicator. Yeah, that's pretty close. Um, Women's women's advancement is stuck. It's really not changed. The number of CEOs hasn't really changed. And so I believe that men are 80% of the problem, but we're also 80% of the solution. Absolutely. And women have been talking to women about this for the last 20 years, and Mm -hmm. we still are not seeing Mm long-term systemic change. And so we need men. Yeah. And we'll talk more about that, but but I, I love the way you open this because right now, there's a lot of talk about male allies and, and aren't allies important. And yeah. my opinion on this has changed. I think allies are too soft. Yeah. You know, we, we, we partners, partners. We need to be stronger. Yeah. You yeah. know, we've heard yeah. the, the notion that women are under are over mentored and under sponsored. Yeah. Well, to me, an ally is standing next to a woman. Yeah. I think we need advocates who are out in front marching with women yeah. And quite frankly, pulling them up and giving them stretch assignments and leading this charge with their male cohorts. And so, yeah. let me, so that's let, me tell, t- let me tell you my story now. I, mm-hmm. I, I want to jump in here because I, I want you to know and understand where I'm coming from. Um, I, I spoke at, uh, uh, at the uh, a conference in Oxford, England last uh, spring, and. Uh, uh, I, I was speaking to a co-ed group, and I was talking about my newest book, In This Together, How Women Can su- Help Succeed in Business Life and Support Each Other. At the end, I was talking about, you know, the importance. Well, what? first of all, the most important thing, again, Jeffrey, I think that needs to be said here too, is until women support other women, we're going to continue to have problems with that 20%. 
even if 80% of men are, are supporting us, women, especially white women, have to support each other mm-hmm. in, in business and in their communities and in their lives. But anyway, I was talking, I was talking about this, the, the importance of women supporting each other, talking about statistics, you know, 50, over 50% of the population are women. We buy 85% of products and services. Why aren't we running the market? You know, blah, 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 kept, kept going mm-hmm. on and on. And then at the end, I, I said, you know, but in this book, and, and I'll, I, I want to make sure I, I say this, I'm speaking to a wonderful group of, of men and women here. I said, we are talking, the last chapter talks about male allies. And it was what happened in that room is that the men in the room took a breath. And it, mm-hmm. it dawned on me, that was kind of my aha, aha moment, was that when women talk about supporting each other, but then also talk about men uh, supporting women, there's a whole different dynamic that occurs. So this to me, I think, is is the most important message that we continue to talk about is that it really is about communication. You know, I noticed uh, you you have a daughter, correct? I do have a daughter and a son. A daughter and a son. But do you think the father and the daughter, did that kind of open your eyes too as far as the kind of world you wanted your son to live in, but for sure your daughter. Yeah, you know, what what I find, and, and my approach to this is, you know, I, I really consider myself a, a business consultant with a focus on gender equality. Yeah. Right. And so I, what what I yeah, so and the, so what I found is the personal connection, whether that's a spouse or maybe you were raised by a working mother or a daughter or yeah. or a sister critical, critical. Most men won't make that leap without a personal connection. Right. But then I find two other elements that are just as critical. The first one is awareness, and the second one is advocacy. And so these right. three A's really work together. Yeah. Um, but without the first two, um, I know a lot of fathers of daughters uh, who never even think about this. Yeah, we just oh, I know never too. make the connection. I can, I can tell a, you in my own family because I have three daughters and, uh, and <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm involved. Uh, our family has a large corporation, yep. a large public health health company. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really is surprising the number of fathers that don't think about their daughters taking a leadership role in in their own companies. Well, not only that, we don't make the connection, right? So I'm a yeah. I'm a young boomer. I wanted to raise a strong daughter. But it never dawned on me if I'm not addressing gender inequality in the workplace, if I'm not right. demanding pay equity, if I'm not asking tough questions and supporting the women in my organization today, well, what's going to happen when my daughter walks into the workforce? She's yeah. going to be faced with the same biases. She's going to be working for the same a-hole Ron down the hall who we know is uh, doesn't get this. And is a bully, and I and most men choose to do nothing, and and that's where I'm now drawing the line to say, men absolutely have to realize they have responsibility in this, and you ought to be outraged that you know your daughter went to a great school, and when she comes out and is making eighty three cents to your son, you choose to turn a blind eye to this. You want to be insulted. Yeah, well, um, I, <laughs> and it makes me angry. Don't get me started. Don't <laughs> I know. <laughs> don't get me started. 
Well, and, and so. not only that, when company, you look at the companies today, and, and we, want, we want to talk about those things too, but you see the companies today that have women in top leadership positions, and they, you see women on boards of directors in Fortune 500 companies that are successful and out, outperforming other companies, and nobody's looking at those numbers. I mean, right. the, the thing is, it's happening, but we're not really, like you said, the awareness isn't there or that communication yeah. isn't there. But I tell you what's going to happen. Women, uh, especially uh, boomer women, we're going to have the wealth in this country. Trilli- oh, sure. We're going to be in the trillion-dollar range. Boomer women are going to be having the dollars. And, and what are companies going to do if they have not worked towards having women in leadership positions nor work to really advocate for their business? You know, I mean, this is the best kept secret. But well, and when I start to control the money, and I already am in my own life, but when women start <laughs> to control the money in their lives, things are going to really turn around. But again, yeah. we each have to support each other, and that goes right back to women supporting each other and men and vice versa. Yeah. So, you know, I'd like to think we're in a pivotal period in our life, and I don't know how you feel about that. Okay, what, well, he- what's, hold, what's holding us back right now? Well, I think, you know, it, it comes down to we're at a watershed moment, and, and we were there even before the pandemic. Um, yeah. But now oh, yeah. it goes beyond that, right? Yeah. You are going to succeed. You know, I'm I'm not on Wall Street, you know, but, but I spend a lot of time looking at businesses. Sure. You've got a lot of businesses that have not been engaging women. Yeah, they're not moving um, you know, into the I, next century. No, they're still exactly. back in the dark ages. Yeah, and so this is going to be a pivotal shift. You know, yeah. I, I talk about in in my work about a tipping point for women, and I, and I think it arrived a couple years ago. You know, women um, marched in Washington, a million women. Yeah. And we've seen what's going on in politics around more women um, getting into roles. Women's yeah. voices are demanding to be heard. And then there's a macro shift in business taking place, and that is boomers are retiring. Yep. And they're largely old white men like myself, 3.7, 10,000 a day prior to the virus, we're leaving the workforce. And the new workforce is women, millennials, and people of color. Yeah. And so you, you can picture that in your mind, this macro shift, that oh, it's I'm already there. I'm already there. Significantly yeah. different than it did today, but the pandemic is going to cause companies to restructure, reorg. You know, the companies that were operating in fragile business environments previously, mm-hmm. um, the ones who didn't get this, ultimately are going to be huge losers. In fact, probably will close the door. Um, you know, when, when did Sears figure out it was Sears 20 years too late? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to see a lot of big brands failing. And then you look at their leadership team and say, well, it's been business as usual for the last 20 years. Yeah. Well, you know, Um, one of the things that we talk a lot about at the conferences I attend and I speak at is talent. Talent mm -hmm. is huge when it comes to companies. You know, the bottom line is, okay, who are you hiring that has the talent well, you and I both know if you're smart and you're sharp and you went to the best schools in the country, you want to work for a company where there's people that look like you, sound like you, and act like yeah. you. And the yeah. millennials the millennials understand that. But you know who understands that even better? Are women of color. These women yeah. are sharp. They've worked their butts off for their education. 
they're educated beyond numbers, but and they've got had jobs, and they're moving into positions. But they support each other. They lift as they rise, and they yeah. connect with their other sisters. And they are all they've also been very very good, always having male advocates. That's ne- that's yeah. never been a problem for them. Yeah. But the one thing that that I I want to throw out there is that we're not communicating. Women are not communicating with men, and men are not communicating with women. And that's mm-hmm. part of the issue is that nobody really knows what the culture is. Nobody really knows what works or doesn't work. But we do know that the talent's walking out the front door. And these yeah. are the women who should be in the management positions that you talk about. You talk about the broken the broken rung of the ladder, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so there's a new um, McKinsey, uh, the 2019 Women in the Workforce Study, talks about the fact, you know, we've been, now think about this, we've been talking about advancing women for 20 years, but most of that dialogue focuses on middle management to director, director to VP, VP to to whatever, EVP, divisional president. Right. What McKinsey found out is women are left behind from the get-go. Yeah. And what that says is, and we never think about that, right? I, you know, I've done this work for a long time. We're never training that first line manager. And and this might be from individual contributor to department manager. Right. That first step that 20 to 25% of more men are promoted the first time more than women. Yeah. And this sets women up and this is now the broken rung that companies need to address. Sure. Um, and, and so this was amazing. And to your point, women of color, um, you know, the, the numbers are even more catastrophic of them not moving from job one to job two. Sure. But who do you blame? Do you blame this manager who in, you know, 2008 had 13 direct reports? Now they've maybe got 20 direct reports. They've had no management training. They haven't had the unconscious bias training. They haven't had the you know, interviewing skills for for non-biased hiring. Um, They may not even have a competency model. And this gets back to the accountability piece. Is someone holding them accountable for diverse slates, diverse panels, diverse recruitment? Mm -hmm. Um, And quite frankly, my personal soapbox, I've seen this dozens of times in talent reviews, is well-meaning companies will say, hey, Jim, you know, we've got this job open and you submitted three names. I noticed there aren't any women. Yeah. And Jim will go, you know what? I just don't have any ready. And, and Jim's boss will go, yeah, I understand that. Instead of the boss saying, Jim, yeah. I'm holding you accountable for developing women. And if you're not, why do yeah. I need you? Yeah. But that second question is never asked. There's yeah. no accountability in the system. Well, you you talk about in the book, though, that a lot of men don't really care. They think things are fine the way they are, and why would they want them to change? Absolutely, the old white boy, male, white privilege, why do they want it to change? And, and again, what we're talking about is that these companies that do understand it and do want to keep the talent and do want to take care of that bottom line and, and be successful and make profits get that. But these other companies, you know, I don't even want to mention names, but, you know, it, it will be exciting to see the companies that move forward in the, in this this coming period because you know yeah. that they're doing all these things they're doing the things yeah. to advance women and they're and they're not putting up with men not supporting and not helping to build the the talent and keep the talent within the company 
And what you're seeing is the smart companies are actually using a women's leadership strategy and recruitment and development as a competitive advantage. Um, Bristol Myers is my biggest client, and they yeah. don't mind that I talk about this. Great. I do a full-day program for 30 men at a time, and we spend seven hours, 30 men, no women in the room, yeah. talking about being advocates. And I have never seen more committed, more engaged men. Oh, by the way, this is the opposite of the Me Too knuckleheads. These guys are never going to make a headline. Oh, no. They're just no, well, great no. leaders yeah. and great managers. But, you know, there are so many men who want to do this, and no one's supporting them, no one's helping them. Uh, well, I'm I'm thrilled. I'm so excited. I saw the book and I read it, and I was like, "Yes, we've got somebody on that." You know, I mean, and, and so so all in all, how do you, what kind of response do you get from men and women? Tell me some of the responses in different places. Yeah, that you, you know what? This is. Um, I don't want to sound. Um, I want to say this as humbly as I can. I've been doing. Oh, this go for ahead. 10 don't years. be humble. Go ahead. Um, I have never had a bad session. Yeah. I've never had a bad client. Yeah. But I'm also blessed. I'm invited in for companies that want to get better. You know, maybe right. they've been at it for ten years and need a jump start. Right. Uh, maybe they're just starting out. But but I'm invited in by senior leaders. Going back to my my diversity training days, you know, I trained four thousand people, and and I figured out you know twenty years ago that I'm not an idiot whisperer. Yeah, and, yeah. And what no, I mean I, by I, that is I, we train uh, to the lowest common denominator, and you yeah. can't win an argument with an idiot. Yeah. Now, I, my my background, I was a director of a large healthcare system and developed mm-hmm. uh, policy and procedure manuals. So I went into not only the, a large healthcare system to to develop a policy and procedures manual. In other words, definitions. What is sexual harassment? You know, I mean, what yep. is? I mean, the, these companies didn't know have a clue of anything. Nothing. Nothing, and and yeah. it was just amazing to to keep butting our heads, uh, my my group butting our heads against the administration who says come in and do this, but at the same time don't change anything, don't change right. anything. We want things to stay exactly the way it is. We want the culture to stay the way it is. We want the dress code to stay the way it is. And so, yep. but you've got to have legal for legal reasons. You know, yep. you, you've got to have a policy and procedure manual. So so basically, Absolutely. we were coming in to do kind of like the dirty work. The more I thought yeah. about it, I mean, I did leave the company because the better we, the better job we did, the the more flack we got. Yeah. But our job was so. to help people to stay on the job and help their families. I mean, it, it, to me, it just blew my mind. And that's really when I left and started, uh, when, I, when I went into private practice and started writing books yeah. and doing exactly what I'm doing right now because there is, well, first of all, there, we all have bias. Women have biases. Men have biases. But until we all really start to talk about them and we really start to com- communicate with each other, we're going we're yeah. to be another 20 years. Hopefully you're going to have more and more companies that get it, that understand it, and other companies will go and come in and go, hey, wait a minute, why are you so successful and we're not? And yeah. they go, well, here's the, here's what we do, you know, here's how yeah. it works. So what can what can we say to people, men, women, and companies today, to help them to understand? You've got to take the next step. You you call it urgent. I think it's more than urgent. This is an emergency, a yeah, huge it emergency. Is. 
And I'll add one, you know, so so obviously, you know, the awareness piece is critical. Talk to people, listen to people. Right. The accountability piece, the finding advocates and supporting them. And I'm going to add a fourth one that I've really been incubating on uh, in the past month, and this is with the whole uh, pandemic and everything else. I think the number one skill needed for leaders to help their organizations survive the next 12 months is empathy. Absolutely. And most men don't do that well, but you know what? We're we're figuring out how to work, right? Oh, my God, yeah. we figured out flex time works and working from home works, all things yeah. that tremendously help, you know, women with children. Millennials embrace this. But when we get back to work, it's not going to be business as usual. You're going to have to take time to ask people genuinely, how are you doing? Yeah. What's yeah. going on in your life? It's going to take a long time to recover from this. And by and large, you know, empathy and, and this notion of psychological safety are really two of the key drivers of great team engagement, uh, retention, advancement. And, yeah. and we're all going to be crazy busy. And there's going to yeah. be this new reality of every hand on deck. But I think empathy in the next 12 months is going to be so critical because we're not going to come out of this as quickly yeah. as I think the experts are predicting. I'm, I'm going to take it just a little step further because I think mm-hmm. you're absolutely correct, is that companies need to understand that employees are customers and and as well as the customers that they want to come through the doors. I, I think companies forget that everyone that works with them is is the potential to to help their company succeed or to fail. And relationships, and this is the key also, is that the relationships that are developed within the company itself, trust is huge right now. Trust and hope, those are huge. Empathy, yes. But trusting and working for a company that's making a difference you know that that has has given is giving back in the community. These companies are also going to be extremely important. When yep. you look at the companies Absolutely. who are reaching out and they're helping people with the virus, they're helping in the community mm-hmm. somehow. Even though that maybe they have a a limited workforce at this point, but there's things that companies can be doing right now to develop yep. those relationships and to reach out and to really really give people hope and and to. To really, you know, and I think people that work for a company like that go, I'm proud to be working here. I'm proud yep. of the people that I spend time with. And that's yep. where we've got to get back to is that, you know, when you stand up and go, well, hey, I work for Bristol-Myers. I love it there. Yeah. Th- that company yeah. has done more for me and my family. You know, that's that's your customer right there. They're going to tell yep. five people who are going to tell five more people. And it's going to. It's just going to keep flowing, and you know we're we're going to know who they are. We are going to know who yep. they are. Absolutely. But uh, I, I I want to congratulate you. I I know you've been doing this a long time. I have been too. I've I've been through the trenches. I've you know I've worked in corporate America. I worked worked in healthcare, and then I worked with companies because we took we had contracts with other companies, and I've watched it. I've watched it time and time again. But some companies just don't understand the relationship building and the supporting of their of men and women within their workforce that is key to their success. So any, any final last words and, and of wisdom that, that uh, you'd like <laughs> well, to you share? Well, um, you know, one of the things I will offer up for all your listeners, and that's please go to my website, 
www.y, as in the Y chromosome, ywomen.biz. There are dozens of free white papers for you to go back and start a conversation in your organization. And if you're just starting out, there's uh, building a strategic plan. If you're mature, there's a number of those. Um, I want to do one thing at the end of the day, and that is I want to start conversations in the workplace around gender. And the last thing I'll offer up is you can go on to my website, and it's a free test. Um, Take the test. Have all the members on your team take your test. It's called the Male Advocate Profile. And then there's also a Gender Advocate Profile for women and people identifying as gender nonconforming or trans. And it does one simple thing, and it circles back um, on something you said. The first 10 questions look at how you think about gender equity, uh-huh. and the next 10 questions are on how on the actions you take. Right. And what's so surprising, Nancy, is that even women tend to score higher in Part A than Part B. So they're yeah. thinking about gender equity, but they're not really taking any action that can be demonstrated. Well, and, and this is a great tip yeah. to wake everyone up to say, <laughs> just thinking about gender equity isn't enough. I got to no, go do no. something about this. Well, well, Jeffrey, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that you help us with the challenge that we're currently Women Connect for Good. My foundation is running, which is lift women up. And this yep. is definitely what we're talking about here is that until women lift one another up, if we don't lift as we rise, we're not going to get anywhere either. But, again, it's that awareness, that's communication, and, and yep. having those tough dialogues with each other, those tough yep. dialogues, which you and I both know at the end of, end of those conversations that something always positive comes from them. So, uh, no, I, I, uh, I did an introduction, and we will support you. Uh, I want to know how we can support you as well because this is uh, this is key to what we're we've been doing all along. So your uh, your being a part of what we're doing would be absolutely uh, a huge piece. So whatever we can help. do to support yours your efforts, uh, definitely want to do it. We do a lot of uh, social. We wrote, we reach out everywhere everywhere. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, congratulations. I'm glad I fa- I'm glad we found you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not done yet, Jeff. No, we got more, my gosh, we've got, there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> got more work to do, but I see a hole. I see. A, I see I'm looking through a hole right now, and I don't want to wait 20 years. Do you? I don't want to wait. Uh, I'm 20. not going to. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't. Gonna, I don't think I, I can't I, I, either. I, I, so uh, I'm anyway, lucky if I got 10 more years of of this uh, on the horizon. All so right, we're gonna well, get look, it done soon. Let's do it soon. Well, I'm involved with Take the Lead, which is a women's uh, curriculum, leadership curriculum. Our goal was 2025 to have gender parity, uh, gender equity for women's leadership. But uh, yep. anyway, we, we just, we'll just keep working at it. We'll just keep going one go. day at a time. All right, good. <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you so much. All right, I enjoyed it.